everybody, and welcome to the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. It's great to have you here in Mayberry with us again to join us for the Bible study. Now, the Bible study is based on the Mayberry Bible study that was originated by Joey Fan back in 1998. It's been going strong. And what we're going to do on this episode is we're going to listen to the episode, uh, The Darlings Are Coming, and then we're going to follow that up with a lesson from the Bible. So I hope you're going to enjoy that. Now, The Darlings Are Coming is one of the public domain episodes of The Andy Griffith Show. We try to stay legal here on the Bible Study Podcast. We don't want to break any rules. <laughs> Not a very Christian way to go about things, would it be? But I think you're going to enjoy it uh, as we do this. Now, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to be able to hear an entire episode of The Andy Griffith Show. And this is, again, The Darlings Are Coming. It's episode number 88. I know you're going to enjoy this. It's a lot of fun. We actually recorded this episode live at the Mayberry Motor Inn in Mount Airy, North Carolina. As part of the Mayberry Bible Study, we did live there. I know uh, the folks enjoyed being there. I know I did. I'm your host, by the way, Alan Newsom for the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast, and it's always a pleasure to be here with you to be a part of this. So first thing we're going to do, I hope you're going to enjoy it, is we're going to listen to The Darlings Are Coming, and then it'll go straight into the uh, Bible study itself that was recorded uh, previously at the Mayberry Motor Inn, as I said. So enjoy it. Uh, thank all the folks that are a part of the Bible Study Podcast. It's always hard for us to get together and do this, so I haven't done an episode in a while. Uh, but it's it's great to be able to spend time with friends, watch the Andy Griffith Show, and maybe learn a lesson of how Christians should behave just a little bit. So I hope you're going to enjoy this. So let's go right on in to the The episode. Andy Griffith Show, starring Andy Griffith with Ronnie Howard. Also starring Don Knotts. The Darling truck is coming around the corner there in Mayberry with the Darling boys on the back, Briscoe driving, and Charlene is a passenger. The truck has steam coming out of the radiator. It pulls to a stop in front of the Middlebright Memorial Horse Trough. Charlene and Briscoe exit the truck. Ooh, sure is boiling, Paul. His machine is half mad with thirst. Briscoe pours water into the uh, radiator. She's always good for 11 hats. <laughs> Takes his hat and dips it in the horse trough once again. Starts to pour into the radiator as Andy walks around the corner of the truck. Howdy. Buddy. Charlene checks out Andy and smiles. Now that's enough, Charlene. Back in the truck. Oh, Paul, can't I even look at the pretty man? Back in the truck. Charlene continues to look at Andy and opens the door of the truck and gets in. Then hangs her head out the window and stares at him some more. 
Private First Class Dudley A. Walsh, U.S. of A. Army. Honorably discharged. Well, that's fine. Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I don't want to sound Private like First Class is coming in on the morning bus. <laughs> oh, I see. And you folks are in town to meet him, are you? News sure does travel fast, don't it? <laughs> well, I didn't hear it anywhere. I just... <clears throat> Never mind, it ain't that important. It is now, to her. Their betrothal's been pledged since they was five. Well, that's fine. So don't I... go making any fancies for them. <laughs> well, that's the furthest thing from my mind. Your words say no, but your eyes say yes. <laughs> well, believe me, the thought never entered my head. Just see that it don't. <clears throat> Take my word for it, Mr. Uh... Darling. <laughs> I beg your pardon? Brisco, darling. Oh, oh, Andy Taylor. Sheriff Andy Taylor. More power to you. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Darling, as sheriff, there's uh, something I'd like to say to you. It's about uh, parking your truck here in front of our memorial trough and uh, filling your radiator out of it. What'd you have in mind? Well, the fact is you're breaking two city ordinances. It's against the law to park your truck here, and you're dipping your head into the horse trough. <laughs> Darlene, keep them eyes to yourself. Outside of me and her brothers, there ain't no fellas left in the mountains for her to play with. <laughs> You're mighty refreshing to her. Oh. Uh, well, anyway, Mr. Darling, uh, it's against the law to, to, uh, to dip your hat into the horse trough. That's for horses only. There ain't a horse in sight. <laughs> but if one comes along, I'll give him the right away. Lied <laughs> to you for not giving me an arrest. Well, we we believe in warning folks first, especially strangers. Like. Oh, uh, Sheriff, we're gonna need a night's lodging. Where might we bed down? Oh, uh, well, the Mayberry Hotel, right around there in the middle of the block. Right. Briscoe gets hey, back boy. in his truck, closes the door, cranks it up. Andy's standing in front of the truck. The truck jumps. Andy has to jump out of the way to keep him being hit. We see Briscoe Darling entering the Mayberry Hotel with two grocery bags. He walks to the front desk. This is your place. I'm John Masters, your reservations clerk. Who do I see about getting a place to bed down? I can arrange an accommodation. Are you alone? Just me and my luggage. A single room with a bath, two fifty a night. Single room without a bath, dollar seventy-five a night. Just give me a dollar seventy-five's worth. Very well. Sign right on this line, please. Briscoe, darling. Very well, Mr. Darling. I have a nice room for you right up in front. I'd rather have something as far back as I can get. 
Very well. Room 27. Frisco takes the keys, picks up his bags, and begins to walk up the stairs. You down here all the time, are you? Except around 8 o'clock, I step out for a bite to eat. Anything you want? Just bed and the Bible. You'll find them in your room. You see them in the room. The darling boys are already in there, and they're pulling a rope up with something attached. It's the base. Briscoe's head gets stuck in the window with the base. Well, here with me all together again. Not quite, Paul. Huh? Ulther's still down there. Looks and see three boys and a girl. Didn't even miss him. Don't have much personality, that boy. Throws the rope back out the window. They're all sitting in Briscoe's room, playing, dancing around, Charlene is. Briscoe on his jug, the boys on their instruments. Well, we're going to have to do better than that if we're going to play for Charlene's wedding. Oh, Paul. I can't even remember what Dud looks like. You love him with your heart and soul, and that's all that matters. Now, let's try Slimy River Bottom, and this time make it party. That makes me cry. We gotta hurry before that clerking feller gets back from his supper. One and a two and one and a two. Instruments. Now, the law says one occupant to a single room. John and Andy are in the hallway. I know who they are. I warned them earlier today on 907. Dipping a hat in the horse trough. Right. <laughs> well? There's a mess of them in there, all right. Well. Andy and John look confused at each other. I got right off when that Mr. Darling asked me, was I on duty all the time? That must have been when he sneaked the others in while I was out eating supper. Mm, good, thank you, John. Ivy, who do you think you're kidding with that jug playing? John and Andy walk into Briscoe's room. That's mighty fine jugging, Mr. Darling. Thank you. I can get banjo sounds, guitar sounds, whatever I want out of it. <laughs> Where's the rest of the family? I mean, you're a mighty fine jug player, but I doubt there's a pair of lips around with that much versatility. You don't believe I can get banjo sounds out of this jug? No. Man's entitled to his opinion. Andy spots the rope tied to the radiator. Come on, John. There's nobody here. But they must be. Come on. Good night, Mr. Darling. More power to you. <laughs> Andy, I know there's more than one man in that room. So do I. We'll catch him. 
Maggie and John walk downstairs. Oh, this is so upsetting, Andy. I'm breaking out in hives. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Wait, wait, don't knock on the door for a couple of minutes. But there... Just a couple of minutes, I think we'll overlook something. Right. John goes up the stairs, and Andy goes out the front door. Hotel, looking up at the window. John approaches the door to the darling room. Andy's standing out in the alleyway as a rope drops down right beside him. Boy, he's starting to climb out. Climb down, Dean, Mitch, Rodney. After Doug, Charlene comes down the rope. And he reaches out to help Charlene make sure she doesn't fall. My, you're strong as a tree. You're down, Miss Charlene. How about if I shinny up and come back down again? Charlene. Yeah, Paul? Put that boy down. <laughs> I told you she was promised, Sheriff. <clears throat> now look, Mr. Darling. You can't keep your hands or your eyes off of her, can you? <laughs> I'm not touching her. We'll see that you don't. Keep an eye on him, boys, till I get down there. <laughs> And Aunt B sitting on the Taylor front porch. Andy, hmm? did you like the white beans you had for supper? Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't say anything. Well, I ate four bowls. If I ain't tribute to white beans, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, eating speaks louder than words. <laughs> you know your education was worth every penny of it. <laughs> See what they're up to. Andy? Hmm? Remember, you've just eaten. Now, don't run on a full stomach. <laughs> I won't. Andy leaves the front porch. You see him walking down the streets of Mayberry as he's trying to figure out exactly where that muse is coming from. a window with a for rent sign on it tries to peer inside
dirty, he can't see in. So he walks over to the door, listens, and he smiles. You see Briscoe rubbing with a handkerchief, <laughs> rubbing a small circle out so that he can see outside. He spots Andy. <laughs> What uh, number did we commit now? 317. Occupancy of private property without permission of the owner. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to chase you. Oh, that's all right. I wouldn't want you to get in trouble with that. Charlene's hands man. reaching out the door and rubbing Andy on the Charlene. chest, and Briscoe slaps her hand. You're the future Mrs. Private First Class to be. And you. Stop tantalizing. <laughs> the darlings all exit the building. And walk down the street. Hey, wait a minute, Mr. Darling. I just got to idea how we can put you up for tonight. It's on me. If it's charity, we want no part of it, because we aim to hang on to our position in the community. <laughs> it ain't charity. Come on. Join them in the cell at the Mayberry Courthouse. Aunt B's been feeding them supper. Charlene, let your old pa in that heap. Thank you, ma'am. Well, you're a pretty young one, aren't you? How'd you like the white beans, Mr. Briscoe? They was good. Well, you didn't say anything. He ate four bowls. Neaton speaks louder than words. You told him to say that, didn't you? That's a very famous saying. Oh? I stay in the house too much. <laughs> well, good night, all. Nice seeing you. Good night, good night. Andy. Good night, Andy. I'll be home after a while. That many sheriffs has got her nice and handed thing. She does very well. Cabin, 10 o'clock at night. Oh, let him play. Town don't officially close down until 10.30. Well, in that case, we'll scrub one off for you. <laughs> you like tearing up your old clothes for rags? Oh, yeah. Mind if I play along with you? I didn't know you strained. A little. What key? Just jump in where you can and hang on. Come on. takes her foot and puts it up on Andy's knee and winks at him. Andy slides his knee over, get it out from under her foot, continues to play the guitar. Doggone, Sheriff, you sure can render. Oh, I enjoyed that. Let's do another with romantic in it. Like what? Solid dog. Know that? 
Is that the one that goes, uh, hello, Sal, I know you run down stocking in a wall shoe? That's her. Just jump in and hang on. A one and a two and a one. Next morning, the darlings arrive at the bus stop. Uh, the bus should be in in about five minutes. <laughs> you excited, Charlie? You gonna? Now, where'd that girl get to? More than likely, she's got her head stuck in some fancy dry goods. You two boys go up that way. You two, check them stores. See Charlene in the courthouse with Andy Tree. Charlene, cut it out. Oh, no, Sheriff Randy, be still. Just want to snuggle up to you a little. Charlene, you're a promised person. <laughs> Dad, wash. I ain't never promised him nothing. It's all Paul's idea. Come on, come on. Charlene, I'm old enough to be your father. He's sure been beautiful preserved. All I want to do is hold you just once to my arm. I couldn't do that. I won't tell your aunt. Charlene, you owe something to that boy that's been in the service for three years. Send him a fruitcake. Huggy, huggy. No. Andy continues to run away from her, and she chases him through the courthouse. And caught him. Dismount Dud's home. I don't want that. I want him. You just had to go and egg her on. Turn on your fancy ways and your winning smile. I didn't do nothing. If anything, I've been running away from her. Playing hard to get. Oh, that gets women quicker than anything. For heaven's sakes, Mr. Darling, no more talk. If you and Charlene want each other, we'll just settle this thing by a natural law. You and Dud fight it out. Fight Dud? Natural law, tooth and claw. I don't want to fight Dud. You owe it to the boy. He's been servicing his country. <laughs> now, now look, Mr. Darling. Boys, I'm not the least bit interested in your sister. 
<laughs> Charlene, you got to explain it to him. The bus from Macon is driving up to the bus stop. Andy and the Darling family come around the corner as folks are getting off the bus. There's Dud. You see him step off Dudley Walsh, dressed in his uniform. Look, Mr. Dark. Yes. Let him commune. <laughs> Welcome home, Dad. Huddy. Dad, I... I... I brought you a present, Charlene. A tiger eye ring. Right out of Spokane, Washington. <laughs> oh, that's my money belt. That's where I keep all my valuables. What's that? The letters you wrote me. For my letters round your middle? Uh-huh. And and your hair ribbon? Oh my. And these. That's the remainders of that mountain gladiola you gave me the day I departed to fulfill my country's needs. Oh, Dad. You're the sweetest boy whatever growed. I'm sorry, Sheriff. It looks like they's going to get together. <laughs> well, some's got it and some ain't. Dud and Charlene run off together, and the Darling family follow along behind them. Andy stands and smiles. I now pronounce you man and wife. Dud and Charlene kiss in the courthouse. All right, everybody, back on the truck. <laughs> How much do I owe you, Sheriff Justice? Well, usually it's $2, but I'll settle for a song. Good. How about something nice and sentimental for a wedding? Good idea. All right, boys, let's do it. Keep your money in your shoes and it won't get wet. Uh, one Oh, that makes me cry. Uh, Cindy. Well, get on home, Cindy, Cindy. Get on home. Get on home, Cindy, Cindy. I'll marry you sometime. Well, get on home. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that. I always enjoy, even just listening to the episode of the Andy Grover Show is always amazing. Uh, now, we're going to go into the Bible study portion of the of this uh, lesson. And so you've heard the show, now we're going to talk about it. Now, to help you out, there is a guide for this episode, a Bible study guide, uh, that you can download if you head over to the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. It's just www.mayberry.com. Bible study podcast and look for an episode the darlings are coming if you look at that one you can download the pdf file of the lesson that we're going to go through so you'll have that in front of you because everything on that lesson uh, that you can print out that you can have with you is not covered during the conversation you're about to hear as we go through the study uh, it never is and that's one of the great things about getting people together and trying to look for lessons that we can learn of in our Christian walk. There's so many things that get covered 
that are not on the lesson plan. And there's uh, just there's just always more to talk about than we can ever cover. So I want to encourage you to go and download the lesson plan for The Darlings Are Coming. There'll be a link right there in the show notes for the episode, The Darlings Are Coming. So if you just look for that uh, when you go to MayberryBibleStudyPodcast.com and download it. All right, so let me hand this over to myself. So let me, uh, let me say a quick prayer for us and we'll get started. All right. Father, we just ask that you just uh, be here with us as we're about to uh, study this lesson uh, that's based on the Andy Griffith Show, Lord. We, uh, we love this show, Lord, and we love you. And uh, in all things that we do, we know we can uh, learn about you and learn from you as we observe others and as we see what's happening around us. So, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just be here with us and uh, guide our conversation and just reveal truths that you have for us to see uh, based on this, uh, this episode, this show, this Andy Griffith show, that uh, we can learn from you and in the future as we watch it, we can remember the things that we've talked about. Lord, we just uh, thank you for what you do and just ask that you again just uh, be right here with us. Amen. All right, so today's episode, we're talking about the Darlings are coming. That was episode number 88 of the Andy Griffith Show. We've all seen it more than once, probably. If you're watching this or listening to this, you're you probably are in the same case. So uh, in case you don't remember, we, just, we will have watched it or listened to it on the uh, podcast version. The, uh, it's a family of musicians from up in the hills that come down. We all know the Darlings. So... When they first came to town, Andy meets them, walks around the corner of the truck there, and there's Briscoe. Uh, <laughs> Briscoe's over at the horse trough, right? So, uh, so what rules was Briscoe breaking by dipping his hat in the heart, ho- uh, horse trough? What, I mean, what real rules was he breaking? 907. 907. <laughs> That's the number law. Dipping your hat in the horse trough. That's right. You're breaking, yeah, he was breaking like two rules. Wasn't he? His, his car was parked where it shouldn't be parked, I think, or something. Obviously, he loaded it on the truck. I've never seen it again after that. You never saw it again? Yeah. So he was, he was uh, dipping his hat in the horse trough. And then at the hotel, he was breaking rules because uh, when he came in, he, was, he asked uh, Mr. Masters, Mr. Masters, I asked, are you alone? And he said, just uh, me and my luggage, which was, you know, two paper sacks is what he had his luggage in. And then later, again, he went to a vacant building, and the whole family was in there because he got thrown out of the, uh, the got thrown out. For trespassing. For trespassing, that's right. So uh, why do you think he did all those things? Because he's cheap. Well, he's cheap. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. A little ignorant of the rules. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't think he was doing it out of maliciousness necessarily. He probably didn't have a lot of money, so at the when he went to the, especially when he went with the hotel, the horse trough was definitely. He just was ignorant of the rules. Because who would have known you can't dip your hat in the horse trough? I wouldn't have known that. Uh, what was funny though is you know that Ed Masters knew because Andy said what was the number. 907, and he goes, dipping the hat in the horse trough? Yeah. <laughs> or what? It was like, what? Uh, I didn't, you know, there's a real rule on that. When he went into the vacant building for rent, he thought it was okay because nobody was using it, and he thought that would be fine. That's true. 
But the hotel, he absolutely knew. The, uh, that the was hotel, wrong. he knew, but they the. Yeah, but then he he kind of switched gears and went, okay, I'll just use something that's not being used. That's not breaking a rule, right? True. But at yeah. the same time, he asked for a bed and a Bible. He did. So he asked for the Bible. Yeah. So he knew what some truth was. Yeah. Well, he definitely knew. I think when he went to the when he went to the hotel, he knew you're supposed to pay for more than one person if you got more than one person staying. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, then he did change his. Okay. So he found a vacant building that evidently was unlocked. It was because, uh, I mean, it, he didn't break into the window. It was evidently, yeah, it was unlocked because it's Mayberry. That's true. And uh, and has very dirty windows, by the way, which, uh, you know, he had to rub the dirt off the inside of the window. It's like, man, what did they do in that building before? Yeah, they, they yeah, it was terrible. It was just filthy, the window. But, uh, yeah, he definitely did know when he went to the to the hotel that he was breaking a rule because they even climbed up a rope in the back right and then when mr masters knocked on the door they all climbed down the rope and hid you know and uh, andy saw the rope tied to the radiator i think so it's tied to and and he realized it what uh what were their actions or reactions when they were caught what did the darlings do when they were caught you know, first one with the horse trough, you know, he said, well, you know, we'll give him the ride away. And he basically quit because it's supposed to take 11 hatfuls. And he only did five, five and a half hatfuls or whatever, filling up the truck. So he, he quit. He got enough water and he stopped and moved. And then he went to the hotel when he got caught. Well, I guess he got thrown out. He didn't have any choice. He had to leave there. They, right. they threw him out. And then the vacant building... You know, Andy, again, he threw him out. There was no apology that I remember. There was no apology. But he didn't want charity because they aimed to keep their place in the community. Right. So he had some pride. Oh, yeah, he had pride. That's right. Oh, did he have pride? That's right. Yeah, because Andy came up with the idea of where they could go, right? And and he, he said, well, if it's charity, we won't know part of it. We need to aim on to our position in the community. <laughs> That's right. I wonder how this left in the jail, though. There was only three cots. That's a good point. There were only three cots. So I guess the boys are probably used to sleeping on the floor, if I had to guess. Charlene probably got a cot. Yeah. Uh, just good mountain country people. If you go back to people like that, usually if you're a visitor, everything they got yours. And I thought I didn't look at any of it like, Y'all, I thought they just came and thought, if I'm visiting here, I'm welcome to do whatever I want to do. If I want to use right. your empty building, or right, I, I yeah, mean, well, yeah, the only thing I thought in my mind, at least, was when he went to the hotel. When they were at the hotel, he knew better. But the yeah, using the building, I guarantee you, if you were up in the hills and there's an empty shack, you can go in there and sleep yeah. at night. I mean, because uh, you can do that now, hiking. If you're hiking the Appalachian Trail, there's little buildings for you to stay in right so in in their mind they're probably thinking yeah i can this is okay i wonder what andy told them after they were out of the hotel you know the next thing you hear the starlings this can't be said (laughs) so i just let's just wonder what he if he assumed they were going back home right yeah that's a good point yeah yeah because dud was coming 
They could have been sleeping in their truck or, you know, they could have had tents or something, I guess. You know, they are from the mountains. They probably got some way to sleep outside some way. Well, and in all honesty, when they were at the hotel, we don't know that the boys were going to stay in the hotel room. Well, yeah, but they <laughs> snuck up the back. I got to give you. Yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, they, I thought they came in the back because they didn't want to show their instruments. They were afraid they couldn't get them in the motel. I really did. I, yeah, because they hid whenever the guy came. Yeah, you don't believe I can get banjo sounds and guitar sounds. Ah, right, so are, for you, are there any rules or laws that you don't think make much sense? Because you know, to them, the uh, dipping the hat in the horse trough—I got to agree with them—that really makes no sense. Because no he's right; there's not a horse well, inside. Yeah. Waiting on a horse or fixing your truck. Right. 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 So, are, are there any laws that, or any rules that we have to go by that don't make any sense to you? Now, I work for the government. I'm sorry. So, I can guarantee you there are a lot of rules that make no sense. It's not laws, but they're, you know, bureaucratic rules. So, there's a lot of things like that that don't make any sense. Uh, I think a lot of us seem to think that the speed limit probably don't make any sense, and so I think a lot of us don't really. It's just a suggestion to a lot of us, you know. I admit, you know. How about what bathroom you want? (laughs) Well, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, using which bathroom do you want to use? Yeah, there's a lot of. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's several rules there because. Yeah, yeah, deputy. Are there any rules or laws that uh, you can think of that uh, don't make any sense to you? I'd say a bunch of them. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, when I was in school, they said don't do, don't write a ticket for something you would do yourself. You know, so I said the only thing I could do is write them for no insurance because I've done everything else. (laughs) I do pay my insurance, but I have sped before. So it's more by the heart than by the heart. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Andy, that's what Barney said Andy is trying to teach him, wasn't it? Go more by the heart than by the book. So I think we'll, uh, there are, there's a lot of laws and rules that don't make sense to us. Now again, you know, I said I work for the government and there's a lot of rules that we go by that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It means I don't understand why there's a rule for that. There may be a good reason. There may be a good reason that I think sometimes we jump to the conclusion that this rule didn't make any sense. So I shouldn't have to follow this rule. You know, I, or, or I'm going to make fun of everybody because of this rule or complain all about it. I think we see the same thing from God, right? God tells us not to do certain things or to do things. Uh, one of them I think of is uh, th- for the Jewish people. They weren't supposed to eat certain foods, and they were supposed to, they, they were, their kosher rules. You know, and, and those seem to not make sense. And this was thousands of years ago when God gave them these rules. But then yet you find out there are sicknesses you can get from some of these things. There are diseases that you can get from different things. Not, not saying you should eat that way, or shouldn't. But God gave rules that didn't, it seemed arbitrary or could seem arbitrary. But now, you know, from science, we actually start finding out, oh, some of this, there's reasons that, that he would have told them to do these things. Uh, rules as a kid, your parents, I'm sure, told you not to play in the road. You know, 
or not to stick the uh, you know knife in the lights or the, the socket, the plug-in. You know, not to do that. You didn't know why that was a rule. It makes sense to us now because we're old enough to have you know played in the road and had a car try to hit us or. <laughs> You know, or got shocked by something else and realized, oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that. But I think we're often given rules that we don't think make any sense. But it doesn't mean there's not a real real reason for them. You know, so we, uh, I guess we need to be aware of that. There are some rules and laws, though, that are like time sensitive, which the dip in the hat in the horse trough was probably one of those. At the time, there were a lot of horses. There's a, there's a website that has old laws that make no sense today. Right. Right. Yeah, and they don't take them off the books. They just kind of get yeah. hidden down yeah. in the yeah. thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of rules like that. Yeah. <clears throat> so are there real consequences for disobeying something or someone we find unnecessary or unimportant? Do you have real consequences from that? You can. If you get caught doing them, you know, you can definitely get caught. Uh you know, uh, it's not really a rule or anything, but uh, there are consequences for doing things that there's, you, know, you should be a little careful about. You maybe, you know, your parents are always telling you to be careful. And, you know, that's never happened to me before. Uh, at work the other day, I'd been outside. There was two, there's two doors coming in the back of our building that are solid metal doors. You, you go in one door and out the other. They both open out of the building. Well, the way the doors are situated... You know, I went over and I badged myself in, and I reached over and grabbed the handle. And when you grab the handle with your right hand, you have to kind of step to your left to go through the door as you go in. I don't know if I described that well. But as you open the door, you're kind of standing in front of the other door. Well, the people on the other side of that metal door can't see you. And when the door opened, it hit me right square in the nose. Because I was standing like this, and it was just boom. So, I mean, there's not a rule about not standing in front of that door, uh, not a law or anything like that. But I guarantee you that's a new rule for me. I will never. <laughs> so uh, I share that with you because there are reasons for that maybe somebody's going to put a sign up. Be, don't stand here when you open the door. Why I can't stand here? I can stand. Bam! You get hit in the face. And they don't know. You don't know why there's a rule about don't stand past this white or this yellow line in, when you open the door. Goes, why not? I can stand. What? There's nothing here. Uh, it's free. I can do this. It actually hit me square right on the nose and didn't hit my glasses. It actually, I've got a little bump. It's called the, we call it the Newsom bump for my family. It's right on your nose and it, it absorbed all the door. With about a 200-pound man opening it, it was, it knocked me backwards about five steps, and uh, all I saw was a bunch of white light for a little while. So it was a good one, but that's that's an example. I think some of the consequences we don't see, but others see when we don't obey the rules. And I can think of a situation where, like, if you have a scheduled lunch hour where you're not punching a clock, if you take it from like 12 to 12:30, somebody else has to go from 12:30 to 1. Well, if you don't take it, start taking it till quarter after 12 and then you run into their lunch hour, the consequences of you not obeying that quote-unquote rule right. now affect other people. And I think we as a society have failed to look at 
our responsibilities to obey certain rules because it affects others, not necessarily us right away, right. but others. And I think we fail to do, we, we fail to look at, we're selfish, basically. Right. Yeah, because we're all seeing things from our own point of view. And so we end up, you know, how does it impact me? I, there's no reason I can't stand on the other side of this line. I've, I'm 50 years old. I've never been hit in the face with a door before until last week or <laughs> You know, it was actually about three weeks ago because it split my nose open. It was a good one. But, uh, all right, so uh, let's look at a couple of verses. So uh, it, talk about why are, are they unnecessary or... So we get frustrated about unnecessary rules. We get unnecessary. But we got to remember these. These are This is uh, Galatians uh, 5, 22 through 23. It's the fruits of the Spirit, basically. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law so those are the things that we need to be trying to show because it's so easy and we i know we've talked about this before but it's so easy to get caught up in complaining about all the rules and people that aren't following them or uh you know whatever reason like you're talking about going to lunch late and then really causing the next person to have to go late or something because you got to have coverage you know, somebody has to work the cash register or somebody has to be there. You can't just leave without somebody replacing you. And if you're inconsiderate, then the other person doesn't get to go eat. You know, or you don't show up for work. The other person didn't get to go eat. So there's reasons for some of these rules that impact other people. So we, we try to avoid those things. Let's see. The uh, next verse we want to read that's related to this is uh, Matthew... 519 it says therefore whoever breaks one of these the least of these commandments and teaches people to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i tell you unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven so we need to be striving to do the right stuff you know which we I think we we try at times. You know, I, I, days I'm doing really good, and other days I do bad. So I think that's one of the hard things is trying to be consistent in rule following, or you know, following what we know the Lord wants us to do. Because uh, you know, we're talking about laws that are man-made laws, but uh, also you know those the laws that God gives us are we really need to be following those. But he also tells us that the people in their authority over us, he put them there. So we're supposed to follow those rules too. Uh, so one last thing on this is uh, Romans three nineteen and 20. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says speaks to those who are subject to the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So I think what we're trying to say there is, you know, the, the reason there are the Ten Commandments was to make people aware of things they're not supposed to do. Because when you hear the laws, when you hear those things, you, now you know the things that are wrong. So they, it's, it's like a conscience. You know, you get, the laws give you a a go-by of things that are good or things that are not good to do and things that are okay to do. You know, so 
I think that's one of the problems we have right now in our country. We're seeing a lot of things that, from a Christian perspective, we say that's not good. And yet the laws are changing to the point where what's good, what's bad is good, and what's good is bad is, is starting to happen to us a little bit. And so I think a lot of Christians, we're, we're struggling with that and trying to figure out how to, how to deal with it. How do you deal with this? I mean, because it's contradictory. So yeah, we've got to be careful. We've got to honor God by honoring the laws of men, but we also have to honor his law at the same time. So in general, we can do that, but there are cases, and I think that it's becoming uh, very concerning to us as Christians what to do and what not to do and how to do it. Yeah, obey God rather than men. That's right. You know, when there's a conflict, right? Like as much as you can do, and then if there's a conflict, then you yeah. If there's a conflict, you, you obey. Not, you go yeah. with God. That's right. So, so uh, do you have? Some, yeah. yeah, I was just thinking back about Daniel, and he, you know, instead of uh, eating the meat offered to idols, he created a an, another alternative to eating. Uh, healthy and yet just check me out and and go from there so he came up with an alternative so I think if we look at the situations that we're pressed into I'm sure that there might be alternatives that we can suggest to somebody that if it's a rule that we have to that they want us to obey that goes against God's principle that you could come up with something that would be an alternative that would be acceptable to both parties so but that's not always the case and it's not always easy to do that it's definitely not always easy to do. And, yeah, because that is what you should try to do. Because what was it? Love is patient, kind. You, you should try to be considerate and try to figure out how to handle some of those situations that, that are where we're being put in a place where man's law is contrary to what God's commandments are to us or his, his role. But the other thing we have is that we have a lot of Christians that are not showing love and compassion to a lot of situations. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a. I used to, I used to be extreme, extremely, the you know the homosexual used to really bother me. It still does bother me in the sense that it's a sin. But at some point, God really said, you know, look, lions a sin. Yeah. Uh, everything else is a sin too. You got to love. You don't. You don't not love somebody because they've told you a white lie, or they or they've lied to you in the past, or they, I don't know whatever whatever they had done. You don't. So it really convicted me that uh, that's just a sin, just like any other. So we can't treat it like it's different. You know. I get really irritated with the people that rant and rave because they need the Lord like anybody else, right. and it puts a wall. That's right. You know, and it's sad. Right, and that's, uh, I think that's, uh, I think Christians, we can, the holier-than-thou attitude is not helpful for us. So we need to make sure we do that. So how did Mr. Darlin behave under Mayberry rules? We've already talked about that, I guess. we, You know, he, he kind of, he tried to find alternative ways to do what he wanted to do, like you were saying. You know, he dipped his hat in the hot trough, uh, horse trough, but he moved. So how did Charlene behave toward her father's rules? So, you know, <laughs> you know, she wanted to look at the pretty man. You know, so, yeah, yeah, so. Uh, well, you know, there's even that one point where she's hanging her head out the door of the truck. 
and she's winking at Andy and everything. And then Andy kind of looks away, and she, I can't even whistle like that. But she's yeah. whoo, whoo, she whistles, you know, <laughs> to get him to look and waves at him again. So uh, Briscoe's Charlene, you know, she he keeps getting on to her about it. So she wasn't she wasn't honoring Briscoe's rules very well. But now, at the same time, do you think again, like Sandy said, this Sandy over here? Um, this is what they knew. This is the culture they knew. If you needed a place to stay, you stayed. Charlene sees her dad breaking the rules. So maybe in her mind, she's going, well, if he's breaking him, why do I have to keep him? Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and test it just like Briscoe did. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point. We followed the examples of those we respect or, mm-hmm. or our parents or our pastors or our deacons at church or whatever that we kind of try they kind of a role model for us so yeah maybe that's why Charlene was uh, not doing what she said wow that that puts a little pressure on us when you think about it like that doesn't it because there's people watching you that you don't realize yeah that's right that's that's right yeah oh well yeah the kids your kids will say the things that you've said to other people like uh well the episode with miss ellie where opie comes in and says oh i'm paying for my own ice cream you remember that one my pa said that was a down payment on a a husband you know so yeah you got to be careful uh and you never know you just really never do know what kind of impact you're having on people you know whether whether it's good which is great when you hear that or it's bad when you realize oh yeah adam when he was little i i evidently stand around doing uh what is it i do this or something i swing my arms and hit my hands together a lot and uh i can remember adam standing in the kitchen and i and i just looked out and he was going yeah. <laughs> he's doing the same thing and i was like wow. and i just stopped yeah okay <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing or anything. It wasn't a bad habit, but you just got to realize that there, he he's picking up things that I do. So it, it makes you realize that you really got to be careful. Two things. Um, I remember hearing somebody's testimony where they watched a Christ, they were not Christian. They watched a Christian man come into a facility once a week, and they watched him for two years, constantly seeing if they could find a flaw in his testimony, and they couldn't. And finally, he became a Christian because of it. And the man didn't even know he was being watched. And so that was kind of interesting. But in the other respect, too, our political, uh, the political people in, in office today, they don't think that they should follow the rules either. And, and they're setting the example for the country, what they say, what they do. Um, and, you know, if they're saying one thing and they're doing something else, people are following what they're doing. They're saying, well, if they can do that, I can do it and take the, take the laws into their own hands. And it's, it, it's a sad state that we're in that we don't have those good godly examples anymore of people following rules, doing what's right, and, and staying the right course. Yeah, boy, there's a whole can of worms to open on that one. But that is so true. It, it is true because that's what we just said. We watch people that are in authority to see to somewhat how we behave. So luckily Christians tend to have a different compass because we actually see what Jesus did and that's how we're supposed to try to behave. But there's a whole lot of non-Christians or people who are who say they're Christians that are not really either 
they may they may be saved, but they've never grown in, in their walk with Christ. So they don't have they don't have that moral compass like uh, some of us some of us that have have grown up in church and been around people our whole lives that were Christians. Uh, but even those of us that have done that ignore that compass a lot for certain things you know we all do i mean there's always some yeah there's always something you know you got you know you're speeding down the road i mean whatever it is I'm not trying to convict everybody to speak i just know that's an easy one that's not too hard that people can accept that they've done okay <laughs> but but yeah there's a lot I was, I was just thinking about what i said earlier about some laws and rules being time sensitive one thing about today, and this is not necessarily time sensitive, but the way our communication is instant today mm-hmm. causes instant reaction. Right. And we're seeing that oh, yeah. so much. Right. Right. Yeah, because it used to be, you know, if you were wanting to find out what the news was, you waited till the next day and the newspaper came out. Or you waited till the week and you got a weekly newspaper. There wasn't a, you know... There wasn't Twitter and Facebook and 24-hour news uh, news on on every channel. Uh, everybody's got smartphones. That's right. That pop open and ask you know that pop in things. Uh, so that has definitely impacted the way we the way we behave and the way we think. Because also we get a lot of information that's incorrect when we're doing that because it's just not been vetted uh, yet. So let's see. Let's do. Uh, where am I here? One, two, three. I should have numbered these so I can see them. Uh, four. So let's do Philippians four. Yeah. Okay, here it is. All right, it says, so this is, we're talking about, basically, why didn't Briscoe tell the, the truth? And so I put this as the note. Philippians four, eight through nine. Let's see. It says, uh, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Uh, do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So I think that's uh, we've got to we got to focus on that because it's so easy to start focusing on all the oh my goodness the annoying aggravating things that are going on it's so easy and it's so hard to stay in a positive attitude that's one of the things i think that those sitting here we we love the andy griffith show because we can watch it and it's so easy to stay in that attitude right there because everything is solved in 30 minutes and life's good yeah barney does something annoying or or whatever happens in the in a particular episode but it keeps us centered in that and hopefully our walk in Christ keeps us centered even more in that. But I do think it's very hard to do. This is one of those things that every day we have to pray about it and put on the armor of God to try to keep centered. Because it is so easy. You get to work and everybody starts complaining about whatever they're complaining about. Or they're, you know, they're complaining about the rules at work. Or they're complaining about uh, the boss. Or they're complaining... Whatever it might be, it's so easy to fall into that. You watch the 24-hour news cycle, and you hear about something horrible that happened, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Then two hours later, you find out that's not even what happened. You know, But you were all upset about it for two or three hours. And 
it's so easy for us to fall into that that trap. So we, it's just something we really got to focus and try try to avoid. So number, uh, let's see, we're going to next verse here. We're going to look at uh, at Psalms five six. It says, "You destroy those who tell lies." I'm talking about the Lord. The Lord abhors a man of bloodshed and treachery. So, telling lies, being treacherous, the Lord doesn't like that. And it's real easy for us to point and go, look what, you know, so-and-so just did, or the lies they've been telling. Do, do, we, do we tell lies too? I mean, do we? Or what lies are we telling? You know, are you... Covering up things that you're doing in secret that uh, nobody knows about, that's a lie. My mom and dad taught me, which makes it real hard to write performance appraisals for myself, (laughs) that taking credit for things that you didn't actually do, you kind of did, but taking full credit for it, well, that would be a lie, right? So that's one of the problems I have, I can tell you right away, is when I write performance, when I have to do my performance appraisal, I have to say, well, I was responsible for, you know, installing, you know, you know, $100,000 worth of equipment to keep the network running, blah, 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 whatever, whatever it was. Well, I didn't do it. The guys that are on my team did it. I mean, I, yeah, okay, I kind of told them they had to do it, and, you know, they did the work. And yet when I write my performance appraisal, I have to take credit for it because really I don't do anything but write papers and stuff, you know, most of the time. But is that a lie? See, so that's, I was raised that that's lying. You're lying at that point. You're, you're not telling the truth. So, right. How does this dress look? <laughs> There's, you know. You know, to say so, it that's right. So we've talked about that. We've talked about that before about white lies. Okay, I don't know how to handle those either. But uh, you know, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, so you're trying to be compassionate and show love when you really are. You, I don't know which is the worst way to go there. No, Jan doesn't. Uh, luckily, I don't get that very often. Yeah, there's only a couple of. Does, stuff like that she says oh I like it so then when we go somewhere and I start to think well I'm going to get Sandy one like that she, oh I don't like that at all and I said well you said she said well I like it on them I don't like it for me but I like it on them so, that's right. <laughs> Mercedes I would like on me okay? oh you would like a Mercedes that's right he, let, he lets me know if he likes it or not Oh, yeah. yeah. With love, joy, peace, patience. Kind well, of I, I tried. I kind of tried to make her come to the conclusion. <laughs> because, well, I can tell you that when uh, when we were, we hadn't been married to Terrellon, four or five years, three years, four years. Anyway, she, her mom, basically, if she would buy something for herself and she didn't like it, she'd basically give it to Jan. And then Jan would wear it. And I'm like, you, uh... Your mom give you that dress? <laughs> yeah. Huh, okay. Why? What's wrong with it? Oh, nothing. Uh, how old's your mom? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how old's your mom? Oh, she's you know, huh? And you're twenty, you know, nine. <laughs> Why do you think a twenty-nine-year-old woman would wear the same kind of dress a you know fifty-year-old woman wears? You know, or whatever. You know. What? 
It looks like an old woman dress. I mean, you know, whatever. And she finally, she was like, oh. I mean, she kind of agreed with me at some point. But, uh, yeah, so you, you be, try to be careful when you're telling something. Do be diplomatic. Compassion, love. What's that? You don't make a pregnant woman cry. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I'll tell that story. When, uh, I didn't tell her for a long time because I didn't want to hurt her feelings, you know. But when she was pregnant, she was real hot. She's real hot natured anyway. But she was, you know, so she cut her hair off real short. Real, real short. Well, I, I, I bought a magazine about with had short haircuts in it. And for two weeks, I laid the magazine out with this short haircut in it on the kitchen table with the haircut there. And I kept walking by, looking at the magazine, trying to decide, okay, do I really like this haircut? And he saw the magazines laying there, and I, he knew I was thinking about getting the haircut. So I kept walking by trying to decide if this is the haircut I wanted to get. I'd never, ever had my hair that short. And so I kept walking by looking at it. I would ask him, did I like, you know, what do you think about it? And then I'll let him tell the story for you. I'd be like, well, yeah, if that's what you want to do. Because she's oh. pregnant. She's hot. I understand that. You know, okay, yeah, that's no, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> that's what you want to do. Uh, that's all right. So after that, is that when you started becoming completely honest with your ancient son? <laughs> no. no. No, but what happened was, you know, <laughs> she already knew. I had told her over the years, you know, I really don't like. And, you know, I, I, short hair looks good on some people, some people it doesn't. But in general, I like a little bit longer. It don't have to be, like, real long hair. Just So anyway, she got it all cut off, and that was fine. I said nothing. I said, okay, yeah, you're, you're happy. That's fine. Well, she kept on and on about how her dad's going to hate this. My dad's going to hate it. He doesn't like short hair. He's going he's gonna to hate it. And she just keeps nanning at me about this all the time. And I'm just sitting there, you know I don't like short hair either, right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. So I'm just driving. Finally, we're driving down the road one day, and she had been doing this for days because her dad was fixing this hair. And I finally said, you know I really don't like short hair either, right? What? You didn't tell me. I said, well, it doesn't. It didn't matter overly to me. But anyway, so that's what she got upset. <laughs> of course, she was pregnant, so she cried. But, uh, but I was, I certainly I didn't tell her. Okay. Yeah, the, the, confessed it in church, Jan. That's right. It's you, can forgive you can forgive me. <laughs> well, here's what's, here's what's funny. So several years later, after Adam had been born, uh, my mom, the reason I didn't like it is my mom had the same color hair and the same length. So now she looked like my mom. <laughs> okay. I don't, I, I love my mom, but I don't want my wife to look like my mom. <laughs> and I didn't okay. realize my haircut looked like his Oh, it looked just like it. Because uh, several years later, Jan had done a scrapbook, and there was, she had a picture of herself in there, and I said, hey, Adam, come here. Who's that? <laughs> Granny. <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Going back to the dress. That's little. right. That's right. Oh, yeah. So, that's right. If she was wearing the dress at the same time, it would have been great. So, anyway, back to the lesson. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, maybe you don't tell the truth to people right out. You try, Maybe you're trying to be compassionate and loving or whatever. All right, let's see. Uh, why did, uh, let's see, talking about Charlene here. So, why did Charlene come to town? She came to town to meet Dud, right? So she's coming to meet her love that she's been betrothed to since she was five years old. Wasn't that what it was? They were like betrothed to one another. Uh, did she act as though that were true? 
No, she was like flirting with Andy and oh my goodness. She was chasing him yeah, huggy huggy, chasing him around the chasing him around the desk and she finally got him treed. Yeah. Oh me. Uh, so why did she become so interested in Andy? He's somebody out of the mountains. It was like she probably only ever saw anybody in the mountains. She comes into town and sees somebody, you know, a little more <laughs> put yeah. together or whatever. Yeah, somebody takes a bath more than once a week, maybe, or once a month, whatever. Briscoe, Saturday night, whatever. It's because he's been beautifully preserved. <laughs> Beautiful preserved. That's right. Civil service. <laughs> Civil. That's right. Saw in him a lifetime source of happiness for his ugly daughter. Oh, that's a, that was Halcina, wasn't it? Halcina, Loretta Winslow. Uh, so, how did Briscoe react to Charlene's advances and? And what did he think uh, about Andy? Did he think he, he kept blaming Andy <laughs> over and over? Your your mouth, your words say no, but your eyes say yes. You know, <laughs> and Andy was—you could see the frustration in Andy as he tried to. Okay, you know, you, I'm not doing, Mister Darling. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, you know, you're playing hard to get. That's the best way. You know. Uh, that's hard, God. That's right. Uh, so why was he so adamant? You know, Briscoe. Why was Briscoe so adamant that Andy was doing something? He loved his daughter. Exactly. He loved his daughter, and he was just right. wouldn't believe that she would do anything like that. That's right. Yeah, because he, she was betrothed to Dudley Wash. You know, so she wouldn't be flirting with this guy. He's obviously attracting her somehow. Uh, so, how do you feel when your rules aren't followed? If you got rules at home, your kids do something they shouldn't do, or you know, how's that work, Chloe? Chloe, how's, how does that work with your mom? How's that work out? I get in a lot of trouble, <laughs> <laughs> and we all do. You know, you know, your wife will cry if you tell her hair's too look short or whatever. You know, you there's trouble, there's consequences for not following rules or whatever. There's definitely consequences. How do you feel when your uh, we already said that? How do you feel when your rules aren't followed? It upsets you when your rules aren't followed. Yeah. Have you ever told a little white lie? We already kind of talked about that. We have. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you justify it and rationalize that to yourself? We kind of already talked about that too. You're, you're trying not to hurt somebody's feelings. Depends on the depends on the white lie, I guess as to whether it's really bad or it's kind of okay. You know, there's that commercial, I think it's a Geico commercial, you know, Abe Lincoln couldn't tell a lie. I don't know if you all remember that one. And, Mar- you know, his wife is standing there looking in the mirror, and she said, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> and he's standing behind her going, well, you know, he can't tell a lie, so he's like, maybe a little, you know. Well, even when George Foley comes yeah. into town, Andy has to... Um, tell a little white lie to Opie because they can't let George Foley's family be worried about him. So in that case, if there's such thing as a good white lie, that might have been a good example. Right. Well, you remember Andy talked about in that one. uh, There's a rule that you can't go swimming in a pond. But let's say somebody breaks that rule and they get in that pool and start to drown or that pond. So should I not break the rule? And let the little boy drown, or should I go into the pond and save him? You know, so you go in to save him. That's right. So, 
I think uh, there's reason for rules, and like we said, we might not understand them, but maybe there's also reasons to uh, break a rule or, uh, you know, for some reason, you know, that, and each one's different. So it's kind of, I think we have an advantage as Christians because the Holy Spirit is with us, and the Holy Spirit tells us right and wrong. We know right and wrong. I mean, you know, the... Moral equivalence and all this kind of stuff people talk about. I, I, I mean, I have a hard time with that to some degree because I, I guess because I just feel like you tell me a situation and I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. There's not a, in general, I, I, I'm sure there's probably some situation you can give me that's, that's different than that. But I feel like the Holy Spirit tells us this is the right way and this is the wrong way to go. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking that very same thing. <laughs> Amazing. <Yeah>. No. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Well, my my dad's mother, my grandmother, was in a rehab facility late in her life, and uh, she had mental issues. And her oldest daughter died. But every time Dad and I would go visit her, she would ask about what about because she hadn't heard from her, and Dad would just answer. Well, you know, I haven't heard from her recently either. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't a lie, right. but... <laughs> right. But it, was saving, it was helping her. It was uh, protecting her from uh, information that would hurt her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's probably legitimate. I mean, because you're, you're, you're trying to be compassionate to that person to keep them from being hurt. So I think... Okay, so let's. Uh, we've been going almost an hour, I guess. So we need to start rolling this down here. Uh, so it's talking about what were Briscoe's commitments in this. So he's talking about, I guess he, you know, he's trying to take care of his family. He's there to pick up Dud, but he's trying to take care of his family in the same way. So that's the reason. Maybe Briscoe, he went to the hotel. He probably didn't have any money. Maybe that was why, and he let the boys and Charlene get into the. Because he had commitments to take care of his family, so you know he's weighing those in his mind, which is which is worse, you know, leave your family out, don't have a place for him to stay, or you pay for a room, but then you don't you don't pay for everybody that's going to be in the room. So what's his commitments there? Why didn't he treat certain laws with the same obligation and obedience? Well, same thing we were just talking about is that I don't know, you know, it's kind of a what do you do? Do you take care of your family? Or do you not? Uh, doesn't doesn't mean it was right, but it doesn't mean you know that he had anything in his heart that was wrong. His heart may have been completely in the right place, and he was trying to figure it out. So let's see here. I've got uh, if I can I find you the verse. You make a really good point there, Alan. You know, he was there for a com- family commitment. Mm-hmm. It's not like the same as if you were going to the beach and putting ten people in a room and only supposed to have four for having a good time. Right. Right. He was doing it. In a way to honor what God wants us to do. Right, take care of his family. Yeah. Right. So let's look at, uh, let's see, Psalms uh, 37.5. Let's see, I think that's next. Yeah, so it says, commit, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. So you're committing yourself, you're trying to do what God's wanting you to do, take care of your family. And, and in all honesty, Andy was very compassionate to them because I don't think he thought that they were trying to get away with a lot. Now, Mr. 
you know, Ed Masters, kind of, you know, he's running the, you know, he's John Masters, yeah. John Masters is running the, thanks for correcting me, though. Uh, he's running the, the hotel, so, you know, he, he has a different responsibility himself. So he, had, he was a little upset that they were doing this, but Andy was compassionate on them. So, and that's what we're saying. Did Andy show the same devotion and commitment as Briscoe? So did he? Uh, did he? So let's look at that verse. So this is uh, uh, Proverbs sixteen three. Commit your activities to the Lord, and your plans will be achieved. So was Andy showing the same kind of commitment? He was going by the heart and not so much by the book, and that's what Barney talked about him doing, right? Because he was trying to help the darlings, and in the end, you know, he said, "I think I've got a way to take care of you." You know, so he didn't. Re- he didn't, I never got the impression he really arrested them. He just let them stay in the jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't ever do that. So how well did he execute his duties uh, sworn oath of Andy? How did he do that? Well, I think he did because he, he was taking care of the community. Yeah, he even fed them, Aunt B. That's right. He yeah. did it in excellence as Jesus would do, and he also fed them. Yeah. So, you know, he brought them in, and Aunt B cooked for them and gave them great beans, Aunt B, all that kind of stuff. About to pop. So, First Peter, let's see, is that where we are? Number seven is, we've got notes here. So, Kings, let's look at Kings here. It says, let your heart be completely devoted to the Lord our God and walk in his statutes and, and to keep his commands as it is today. So keep his commands. So try to walk in his statutes. We'll go ahead and read the next one too. It's, uh, that one is First Peter. If anyone speaks, it should be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So that's what Andy was doing to me. He was taking care of the darlings. He was showing them love and compassion and, and taking care of them as he, as he tried to enforce the rules and laws there in Mayberry. I think, too, for spiritual needs for people, you have to meet their physical needs before you can meet their spiritual needs. And I think the, the, the Christian community sometimes fails to do that. They go after the spiritual needs first, not realizing that there are so many physical needs that these folks have that they need taken care of first. And once they're, the physical needs are taken care of, then they can listen because they're not so involved in looking for those physical needs. True. Yeah, if you're hungry... If you're hungry, it's really hard to sit and listen to a uh, hour-long sermon or a or a Bible study. If you're hungry, didn't have fruits sitting around and uh, nuts sitting around for you guys to eat. It's hard to listen to this if you're sitting around. And you're just all you're thinking about is where am I going to go eat supper? The roast is in the oven. I got to go. You know, so that's a very true statement. If you're if you don't have a place to live or any place to stay, or you're, you're stuck out in the you know, in your car. Yeah, I, do we take care of those people? Andy did, you know. So, I think Jesus would. You know, he would take care of them. All right. So, what are your goals and commitments? We kind of everybody has their own. So, but just think about them. What What are your goals? What do you do? Do you try to live that way? I think we do, but I I promise you, it's a daggum everyday thing. Because yeah, I want to live that way. Yay! And then tomorrow I'm busy. I'm I forgot about that. You know, I didn't do, oh, I didn't do it. I've talked about it before at work. I'm real busy. 
super busy. And I'm like, I'm never going to get everything done. And so one day, you actually go, Lord, just help me get through the day. You know, just guide me in the right ways to do this stuff. You know, you do that. And then suddenly, at the end of the day, you've actually got 30 or 45 minutes left, and you're finished. And you're going, wow, that is awesome. And then the next day, you completely forget any of that, and you don't do that. You know, it's an everyday thing that we need to commit to Him, and He'll take care of it. It's just like your kids, they commit to you, or if you've got kids or grandkids or whatever you got, they look to you to do stuff, and you do it. And they don't worry about it. They're not worried. They're not worried where, where's lunch coming from. They're not worried about it. It's just going to happen, you know. And God's our Father, and He'll pretty much kind of does the same thing for us if we would just let Him. Now, I've, I've used this example before where I think we're selfish in a lot of these things. Where just like I said, God helped me that day, you know, and then the next day I didn't even ask. But we're so selfish, you know, like as kids. I remember Adam as a little boy. <laughs> we went to McDonald's, and he had some French fries. I didn't order any French fries, so I was like, can I have one of your French fries? He goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I paid for your French fries. I brought you to McDonald's. I'm only asking for one French fry, and you wouldn't give it to me. You know, but we do the same thing to God. You know, he gives us everything we get, and we still, no, I don't need your help, or no. No, I can go do it myself. We do, kids do that to you, right? Here, hold my hand so you don't fall. No, I can do it. Boom, fall down. Here, hold my hand. Take it to another step further, too. God asked you to do something, and sometimes you might go, ooh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that, or I don't want to do that, or that's out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But yet God asked us to do things that, you know, because he provides, he gives us the resources and the, the things that we need to carry those out. That's right. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, you know, so what's God's plan for you? You need to think about that yourself. Think about God's plan because it's different for all of us. So what temptations and obstacles stand in your way and what are you doing about them? Those are all rhetorical questions that we all have to just Try to think about and try to figure out what we need to do because it's all different. Every one of us, are, every one of us have a different struggle, a different, a different thing that's hard for us to, to avoid, a sin that we, can't, that we struggle with. We all have a different one, and it's all difficult. So let, let's just wrap this up here. Some final thoughts here on gossip. You know, uh, talking about uh, wisdom from Briscoe Darling is what this is talking about. Some final thoughts on gossip. Uh, you know, Briscoe said, "You sure does travel fast, don't it?" You know, when he came to town. <laughs> On deception, your words say no, but your eyes say yes. Dedication and devotion. When he went in there, he says, "Just a bed and a bribe." You know. On commitment to relationships, he says, uh, "You love him with all your heart and soul, and that's all that matters." Isn't that true? On human rights and values, he said, "Man's entitled to his opinion." I think we might need to remember that too because it's really hard to remember that some days. On self-control and inner strength, he says, more power to you, you know, which is true. You know, we, all, we all need more power. Well, that power is from the Holy Spirit. He's going to give it to us if we'll just take it. Rules and obedience, he said, oh, it's all right. I wouldn't want you to get in trouble with a head mounting. I mean, Andy, you know, 
So Briscoe obeyed the, you know, when he was called out, he said, well, it's all right. Uh, on duty, he said, if it's charity, we won't know part of it because we aim to hang on to our position in the community. Settling arguments and keeping the peace, he said, it's natural law, tooth and claw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we might not want to do that one. <laughs> yeah, Old Testament. On cooperation, he says, all right, everybody back on the truck. So, isn't that true? If we just cooperate with one another and get back on the truck, everybody's, we all got the same goals, get on the truck and quit jumping off and doing your own thing all the time, right? So I think that's the hard part. I just thought of something. At least he didn't go back and try to blame his parents or somebody else. For, I mean, he took the blame himself. Right. It wasn't my fault, not my fault. That's, right. that's right. That's true, that's right. Because he said, that's all right, I wouldn't want you to get in trouble with a head mounty. He didn't go, hey, you know, my daddy used to come to town and stay and blah, 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 or whatever. That's true. Because you certainly hear that now. Everybody makes excuses about why we did something instead of just owning up that, yeah, I did it. I did it. Kind of going back to the thing where you said that rules are there for a reason, kind of just like the kid with the alligator at Disney World. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, because we don't know. Uh, no swimming sign in a pond. Is that because the farmer's a mean old man, doesn't want you swimming? Or it's because he knows there's water moccasins all in that daggum pond. He don't want you to get in it and get hurt. You know, so there's, there's always a reason, and maybe we don't know what it is. But you know, if we we'll just uh, can keep ourselves focused on God, let the Holy Spirit guide us. You know, we can we can be calmer about the rules that we have to follow that we don't like, and we can show some grace that maybe there's a reason that way. Maybe there's a reason the waitress is not being very good tonight. Maybe she's maybe she, her parents are sick. Maybe she's got a kid at home that's not doing. You know, there's maybe some reason she's rude today. There's. You, you never know. You just got to really pray about it. Like you said, the, they were watching that guy for two years to see what he did as a Christian. You know, we don't want to be the Christians that after church go to the restaurant and destroy the restaurant by moving every table around. And so now the waiters and waitresses have got to, you know, they've got to reorganize everything. You didn't ask us even. You just did it. I used to wait tables. I've seen that. And it always bothered me because I was a Christian and I would see church groups come in and behave. Terrible. Yeah. They didn't come in and all they, all they would have had to do is say, hey, can we put some, yeah, sure, we'll fix this for you. We'll do it. But that's not what they did. They were just like they owned the place would come in and do it. So we, I think we have a lot of responsibility as Christians to act like a Christian, you know, to act like somebody. I teach Taekwondo. I think I've mentioned that before. And as you go through Taekwondo, you, you're supposed to grow. So you start as a white belt, and then you go to a yellow belt, and then you go to a green belt, and then you go to brown, and then you go to red, then to black. You know, you got other steps in there, but basically that's it. So if you're a green belt, you're supposed to be an example for the yellow and white belts. And if you're a black belt, you're supposed to be an example for every one of them. If you're a Christian, we all start out with a white belt when we get saved. We all got our white belt. And then we get discipled. Hopefully, hopefully you get somebody that's a mentor to you and helps you grow into a yellow belt, into a green belt, into a brown belt. And then when you're a brown belt, hopefully you're already starting to help bring somebody else right behind you. It's a, it's a cycle that we can do, but 
The problem is you've got to be a brown belt as an example of what the white belt wants to be. You can't be acting like a white belt by the, you know, by the time you've been there. And I think that's one of the struggles that we have as Christians is to try to act like somebody. Yeah. One thing I was thinking a while ago when you were talking about your good days, bad days at work and stuff, I was thinking of the scripture of Paul that I die daily. We have to crucify the flesh daily. That's what comes up and causes these other problems. Then I was also thinking about the two scriptures you shared about the fruit of the Spirit and then think on these things. Well, thinking on those things builds us up eter- internally, right. and then it comes out as the fruit. That's true. Yeah, that is so true, because the things you think about, the things that are in your heart, are the things you talk about and the way you behave. How many people talk to everybody they're around about the Andy Griffith Show in this group right here? Anytime you're around, do you quote things off the Andy Griffith Show to people, even if they don't know it? <laughs> More power to you. I mean, whatever it is, you quote it. Yeah, you got to nip that in the bud. You know, whatever you're doing, you, you quote it. Why is that? Because it's in our heart, right? Do you quote scripture like that? Because really, I don't. I got to admit, I don't quote scripture like I quote the Andy Griffith Show, which is not good. I mean, I should have that in my heart just as much because the things that are in your heart, the things you love, the things you are, they bubble out all the time. They, that's right. It bubbles out of you because it's the things that are on your mind. It's not because you're thinking about telling people about it. it's just because oh yeah this boom you remind you you probably do things like at work you'll be talking yeah at church the other day i did that you're just talking to somebody about being at church and something that happened there or you you talk about things like that you talk about your kids ball games you talk about your grandkids ball games you talk about things that are in your heart so if we can dwell on those things that are biblical you know read get your scripture in your heart it'll bubble out just the same so and again I'm preaching to myself there because I don't do that. I, I can talk a lot more. I can quote probably more Andy Griffith Show lines than I can Bible verses. So I'll be like Barney on the video we watched the other night where he didn't know 20, Psalms 23. So, all right, folks, uh, I appreciate y'all being here. Let me say a prayer and we'll, we'll head on out. So, Father, I just want to thank you again for just these people that uh, uh, joined us here for the Bible study, Lord, and just for the comments we've gotten and for your Holy Spirit being here and guiding the conversation. Lord, I ask that you just use what we talked about to help remind us of the things that we should do, the things that you want us to do, that your Holy Spirit would just remind us of that as we go through the, through the week and the coming year and the time that goes forward. Every time we see this episode, remind us of the behavior that we see on that screen and what biblical values we can pull from that and how you would have us behave. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us and for your blessings. Amen. All right, so we're wrapped that up, and uh, wow, it was a great lesson. I hope you guys have enjoyed that and got something from it. Go back and listen to them again. There's, uh, I guess this is our 13th episode, I believe, of the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. So if you haven't heard the previous lessons, go back and check them out, because yeah, there's a lot of insights, not not really from me, but from those people that are able to attend with us. I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast, and I just want to encourage you in your Christian walk to, I guess like uh, Andy would say, act like somebody. So friends, thank you again for being here with us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Mayberry Bible Study Podcast. Mm
Love lace is so dear to my child. 